What's up, everyone? It's Ray Garvin, host of the Destination Debbie podcast. If you're waiting until after the NFL season to start your college scouting process, you're already behind the eight ball. There are hundreds of college football games on each and every Saturday, far too many to keep up with, along with following your favorite NFL teams. But don't worry. This show is designed for not only you hardcore Debbie leaguers, but those of you who want to learn about the next group of potential NFL stars and get a leg up in your traditional dynasty leagues. We don't just talk about the big name college football guys. We hit on the small school value prospects who also have a shot to make it the next level. If you want to position your dynasty team for short and long-term success, make sure you check out the DDP on DLF and all the other amazing shows DLF has to offer. listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. We're going to talk some rookies because it's that time of year, fellas. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about where we're slotting the first-round rookies in our positional ranks. We'll probably start with the quarterbacks and the tight ends this week. And, you know, as I said, tis the season. We're going to do a rookie mock as well. First, though, we should talk a little bit about the DLF Listener League and the three openings we have. We're looking for a few good men or women, Matt. Yeah, if you guys want to come compete against the three of us, uh, you just got to go to safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans and claim a team. You know you're going to do it anyway. What else are we doing when we're social distancing here, physical distancing, whatever the term is now? Uh, so pick up an orphan, you know, build yourself a champion, and play with us in the DLF Listener League. You go to safeleaguesfantasy.com slash orphans and use the code DYNASTY when you claim that team. Yeah, hook up with Scott Fish on Twitter on that. He was running some promos as well uh he's trying to get rid of those last few spots we're going to be giving away these last three spots in our dlf listener league real soon so take your shot uh certainly pick up a team over there and and join us in the dlf listener league one entry gives you one chance at a drawing at being in our league so with that guys let's bring both of you in matt ryan we are social distancing, but we are talking fantasy football full-time, really. Ryan, how you doing? You ready to talk about these rookies? I am. I am. I'm glad we got more news over the past week that the draft is, is still on, at least for now, so we can continue to keep this in, in the front or, or maybe in the back of our mind as as a distraction. And I'm I'm excited for the draft. I'm excited to continue to talk about these incoming rookies. Yeah, I am as well. And, you know, before we really get to the the meat of our episode, Ryan, I wanted to mention something to you. You you, you run the kitchen sink leagues. You run a lot of leagues, really. And it, the conversation over the last week or so has been, should we continue? Should we continue to, to do our off-season, uh, start these these in, in contract leagues? Are we, are we going to start handing out franchise tags and things like that? And I fall on the side of the fence that it is a nice distraction. It's something that I want to be doing, taking my time. Uh, most of us have a lot of time on our hands. Of course, those in the in the field, the medical field, uh, maybe don't have quite as much time, of course. But for the rest of us, it is a nice, nice time filler, I guess. 
your thoughts on on what we can be doing as dynasty owners or or fantasy owners in general to to keep our mind off of everything else happening in the world? I guess for a lot of leagues at this point, it's a pretty easy decision because your typical dynasty league doesn't have a lot going on right now. Maybe a month from now, six weeks from now, you're you're looking at the rookie draft. As you said, in the kitchen sink leagues and some of the more active leagues, especially if they're contract and Devi and things like that, maybe you have things happening this time of year. And it was a conversation we had in our leagues over the past couple of weeks. Um, as far as do, do we continue as scheduled? Do we put it, put it off or push things back or, or whatever? And you, I mean, you just want to, like any other decision you're making about the league, you just want to consider what's in the best interest for the folks that are in that league. And uh, if you have doctors, police officers, firefighters, nurses, uh, of course, might need to push things back, reschedule, or or really just kind of keep that, keep things in perspective and and make some changes if needed. In our case, we are, we're, we're basically going to power on and yeah, keep referring or keep, keep going. Yeah, keep going and and keep the fun happening. Really, Matt, I want to bring you in on this as well. You're a commissioner of multiple leagues and and you play in so many leagues as well. With everything going on in the world, dynasty, fantasy in general, it's an it's a nice uh, nice thing to keep your mind occupied. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing pretty much in my leagues. Uh, Red List right now has our rival drafts going on where we're selecting uh, our rivals for a couple of progressive pots you know, as we do every season. So uh, it seems like most people want to, the added distraction, uh, you know, like, like you guys said, other than the health care workers, the grocery store workers, pharmacists, that kind of thing, uh, zookeepers. <laughs> uh, most, of, most, most of us are often looking for things to do uh, anyway. So you can go back and forth between your dynasty teams and your, your Netflix binges. You know, it's a, it's a nice place to be uh, to keep the fantasy football rolling. Yeah, keep it rolling. And with that, we will do that for our listeners. As I said earlier, we're going to talk about these quarterbacks. We're going to talk about tight ends as well. And we got another mock draft in line for our listeners as well. Let's start under center at the quarterback position. We're going to go through the these rookies one by one, really, and talk about them in in really a super flex context because, let's face it, when you're talking about the quarterback position, uh, they lose a lot of value in those single quarterback leagues. So so w- this conversation has that in mind. Let's talk about these quarterbacks and where they fall in our overall quarterback rankings. We'll start at the top. We're going to go by Superflex ADP in March. Start with Joe Burrow, who is expected to go to the Cincinnati Bengals, of course, in the NFL draft with the first overall pick. He's also expected to go number one overall in Superflex rookie draft. So Burrow, Ryan, thinking about him, general context, you know, thinking about him and his value in dynasty leagues, these Superflex leagues, where does Joe Burrow fall for you? Well, I I think he's already carrying a ton of value. Uh, Along with our mock drafts that we do, both rookie mocks and startup draft mocks in in one quarterback and super flex leagues. I've also uh, followed closely a couple of actual startup drafts. One I participated in and one um, some, some friends are in and I'm, I'm following that pretty closely. 
their super flex startups and they uh, they include the rookies even before the NFL draft. And in both of those, along with really along with our, our ADP, we're already seeing Joe Burrow as a QB one as a top 12 asset uh, at that position. And, and that's where I would have him uh, right now. He would slot in if, if I were adding those rookies to my positional rankings right now, he, I would have him at quarterback 11 uh, right behind Daniel Jones. And that's, that's near the top of my fourth tier. I know just a few weeks ago, we, we broke down those, broke down those positional tiers. Yeah. It, and maybe that speaks Ryan to how thirsty dynasty owners are for some talent at the quarterback position. You mentioned who he's real close to Daniel Jones, a guy, a rookie last year, a guy who moved up draft boards for everybody. Uh, he's, he's already ranked among, um, among those types of players, Matt, let's bring you in your thoughts on Joe Burrow and where he slots in, in your dynasty rankings for those super flex owners out there. Yeah. My tiers have changed a little bit since we broke down those, uh, in the last few shows here, but I, I agree with Ryan. He's right about the top of my fourth tier. I have him at quarterback 13 right now, uh, just behind Baker, Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz. That's the kind of the territory we're looking at, kind of ab- above the the solid veterans and guys like Stafford, Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo. So kind of like between those quarterbacks that we've seen come into the league over the last few seasons that have showed some promise and ahead of those those veterans. So that brings us to Tua Tagovailoa, who is another very interesting prospect. And depending on where he lands in the NFL draft, Matt. You've you've been outspoken. Said you prefer Tua slightly to Joe Burrow. You mentioned Joe Burrow is the thirteenth overall quarterback. How about Tua? Yeah, Tua would be quarterback ten for me. Uh, just in, in the same tier right now as I have uh, Rogers, Goff, and Josh Allen. So just a couple, a few spots there ahead of Burrow, but kind of in that same range. So both of these guys right now are quarterback ones for me. Yeah, quarterback ones and and towards the lower part, but I think I can speak for you when I say lots of upside with these types of players, these rookies that that we expect big things out of. Ryan, your thoughts on Tua and where he falls as compared to Joe Burrow? Well, right now the two are are really close. I do still have Burrow ranked higher, uh, but it's it's not by much. So of course, obviously. Uh, Tua is my quarterback two among the rookies, and he's right behind Burrow as quarterback 12 in my overall ranking. So that would, uh, I already mentioned some of the guys that were ahead of the two rookies. Some players that are behind Burrow and Tua for me would be Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan, players like that. I think Joe Burrow and Tua Tagafaloa, Ryan, are are what most consider the elite prospects. Maybe there are a few out there that think Justin Herbert belongs in that conversation, or even Jordan Love for that matter. But for the most part, all of us seem to think that, that it's a two-man race for that top spot. And the two of you obviously are split between Burrow and Tagavaloa. Your your thoughts on on how much maybe the 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 general dynasty populace thinks thinks these guys because they're so young and there's the unknown and and all the raw upside that we see out of these two quarterbacks is is that influencing these rankings or is it simply that we're we're like I said before so thirsty for this top end talent that we're willing to jump these guys all the way up into our top 12 at the quarterback position 
I think it's probably a combination of things, specifically at the quarterback position. I, th- I think that rookie fever always hits every position every year. So maybe you consider Burrow and Tua as, as low-end QB1s as being uh, overrated or overvalued. But I think the other thing it goes back to is what we've talked about several times on the show this, this offseason is that, that transition we're seeing at the quarterback position. We've seen some of these veteran quarterbacks change teams, potentially lose value because of that. Right now we're seeing Cam and, and Jameis Winston can't even find a job. And, and there's, there's a real uh, doubt about those two guys uh, even being starters in the, in the league next year. So you factor in those two players uh, with some others who, who have basically just not broken through guys like Garoppolo uh, guys like Sam Darnold. And it's easy to take a chance on, on Burrow and Tua over those players. It is indeed. Matt, let's let's talk about the next couple quarterbacks that dynasty owners are pondering this offseason and interested in seeing where they land in the NFL draft. That's, of course, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. Both are considered first-round talents in these super, super flex drafts. Herbert at the 106, Jordan Love at the end of the first round, the 12th pick overall. These two as a group, your thoughts on these two in general? And secondly, where where do you see these guys falling in your overall quarterback rankings? Yeah, Herbert is right there pretty close to Burrow with me, to be honest. And I have them back-to-back in that, that same fourth tier, I believe. I just see... You know, they're they're both going to be top ten picks in the, in the NFL draft. There's a chance that Herbert, you know, if he goes to Los Angeles or something to the to the Chargers, that he's going to sit for a year, certainly behind Tyrod. You know, at least for part of the season, if not. So, I think that's really the thing that separates those two particular players for me. Whereas Burrow's going to come in and probably start from day one, uh, and Herbert may have to wait for a little while. But from a from a pure talent standpoint, and from a landing spot standpoint, I think they're you know fairly cl- close to equal for me. So they're in that. Uh, I I think I said Burrow was quarterback, going to be quarterback 13. So so Herbert is right there in 14 and 15 range. I think I would still have him just behind those, you know, those quarterbacks that we feel good about that are in their early to mid to, to mid 20s, and then ahead of those those solid veterans and, and the guys like Stafford and Ryan. Um, and then Love is a little bit farther down. I put him down in tier six for me. He's going to be down with the, the more questionable starters or the guys that I personally have questions about still. Uh, we mentioned Jameis Winston and Cam Newton who don't have homes yet. Also guys like Sam Darnold, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tanhill, Gardner Minshew, Teddy Bridgewater, that kind of uh, late teens to early 20s range is where I would put Love somewhere in there. I would say probably about quarterback 19 just behind Darnold right now. Ryan, you've been one of those guys that that have questioned Jordan Love and his upside in the league, but but I'm sure you do recognize that he is going to be a top pick, a guy that some NFL franchise is going to be uh, putting their future on the line for Herbert and Love. Your thoughts on these two, where they fall in your rankings? Yeah, pretty big gap between the two for me right now. Uh, Herbert is, <clears throat> excuse me, Herbert is closer to. Uh, to Tua and Burrow than he is to love for me. Uh, I've got Justin Herbert as quarterback 17. So I mentioned some of the names uh, behind Tua earlier, Rogers, Goff, Stafford, Ryan, that makes up the, uh, that would be the end of my quarterback of my tier three of the quarterbacks. And then Herbert would begin or be the top of tier four. So that's, that's where Herbert is. And then the other three rookies hurts, 
uh, Jordan Love and Jacob Eason are all down in that next tier, uh, in tier six. And, and they're, they're with guys like Gardner Minshew, uh, Tom Brady, players like that. Um, and, and I've actually got Hertz ranked higher than Jordan Love right now. Yeah. Okay. Minchu is an interesting name. That's the name that pops into mind when, when you say names like Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts and Jacob Eason. Matt, those are the next couple guys. After Love, it, it's usually Jalen Hurts, then Jacob Eason. Your thoughts on these couple of guys? Maybe maybe have a little bit of raw upside. Somebody that could, uh, over time, be a player for dynasty owners in these super flex leagues. What are your thoughts on Hertz? And yeah, I'm with Ryan as well on Hertz above love right now. I have him in that, that same questionable tier, but, but higher. Uh, and I could probably move him up. He just doesn't really fit. I know I, I, I personally wouldn't move someone like Stafford or Ryan like that for, for, uh, for Hertz, whereas I might do that for someone like Herbert or, uh, uh, so he's, He's down, but he's still higher than love for me. So I have him at quarterback 17 right now. Uh, and then Eason, he's far down. I have him just behind the, those those older veterans like like Ryan was talking about, Breeze, Roethlisberger, uh, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, those guys. So pretty big gap there between, uh, between Hertz and Eason. So just to be sure that, that our listeners aren't tuning in and thinking to themselves, man, these guys think exactly <laughs> alike. I, I, I do have love. Uh, a little bit higher than Hertz. Still, I'm holding on to that that raw talent that so many have talked about. Every scouting report you read says, "Wow, Love Love has that arm strength and and all the intangibles that you kind of think of. If he could just pull it all together, maybe maybe he could become a player and be that starting quarterback that you expect." There are times when you watch Jordan Love play and think, "Yep, he's got it," and then there are reports that you read that think, "Oh, maybe this guy doesn't." So. I, I still have love a, a, a tick higher than Hertz and, and still I'm holding on to hope that, that somebody gets it figured out for him and, and he gets things on the right track on the field. Um, my rankings go Burrow to a Herbert Love, Hertz, and Eason. So that kind of wraps up our quarterback talk. Let's let's transition to the tight end position, fellas. And this is a interesting one. There is no there is no Noah Fant in this class. There, there isn't a, a top end talent, a guy that you think, man, he's going round one, a guy that I can pick in my dynasty league, Matt, and, and think to myself, that's the guy I can build this position around, especially in those tight end premium leagues or those two tight end leagues where there's such a, such a big priority set on the position. So talk to me about the tight end position, who do you have number one in your rankings, first of all, Matt? And where does he fall among the rest of the tight ends? Yeah, I, I'm going to stick with Albert O on this one. I, I, just, I just think it's such a hard position to predict and project at the next level. So I'm going to go with the athleticism there. And, and he's the one who's kind of showed that off in the combine. That feels uh, doesn't feel great. Uh, but there's no there's in our ADP, there is no rookies in the first two rounds. So we're talking about third round picks here, you know, absolute depth guys that you're not going to mind waiting on. And I think, you know, most of these tight ends we're going to talk about are going to fall in that range. But oh, Alberto, I think he has separated himself just by the slightest amount there, just based on the athleticism. So I have him down in the early 20s, uh, just behind Hayden Hurst at tight end 23 currently. Ryan, how about you? You you're a guy that likes to invest that third round pick 
in a rookie tight end uh, in the past, at least. And and if you're on the clock right now before the NFL draft and and all these tight ends are available, who's the guy you're investing in and, and who do you rank him close to? Yeah, this this is kind of a weird tight end group as as we've talked about all uh, all off season and, and many others have as well. There is no clear cut tight end one for me right now. It's it's Hunter Bryant. Alberto is is close behind him, but really the top five uh, could change uh, and will change so much based on draft capital and landing spot. So right now, I I just don't have. I, I don't have a strong enough belief in any of these guys on their own merit to rank them even inside my top 25 dynasty tight ends. Uh, I have, I have all five of them grouped together and I, I say five, we'll, we'll get to some specific names here in just a moment, but um, I've, I've got all these rookies ranked in tier six and we're talking about some players right above them in tier five, Dawson Knox, Chris Herndon, Blake Jarwin, I'd rather have all those guys than any of the rookies at this point. Yeah, I feel similarly, of course. All, all those rookies from a year ago that we were thinking, and you mentioned Knox especially, that's a name that pops out to me. He has some upside, but but not like elite type upside. And a year ago, you're probably thinking to yourself, man, if he gets his opportunity, if he takes advantage, if he gets uh, entwined in that offense, he, he's a guy that could be useful to me as a dynasty owner. That's what I feel about all these other guys. Personally, I have Bryson Hopkins at the top of my tight end rankings. It's by a slim margin, of course, and the guys you each mentioned are both right behind him. So I, I think this is probably a pretty good snapshot of what the dynasty community as a whole thinks of the tight end position in these dynasty drafts, these rookie drafts that we're about to really embark on and start to think long and hard about who to pick and when to pick them. In general, guys, it feels like these are all third-round picks. That's where they fall in our ADP right now. But let's talk about them a little bit more in depth, I guess, Ryan. You you mentioned Bryant as your top guy, slightly. Who are some of the other guys you're keeping an eye on as draft weekend approaches and we start to get a real good feel for where they're going to land and what we expect out of them early in their careers. Well, I think that's the, that's the tough part right now is we don't have uh, we don't have a good feel for what their draft capital will be. Certainly expect none of these guys to be first rounders in the NFL draft uh, and, and potentially not even, not even second rounders. Uh, but after Hunter Bryant as my tight end one, uh, Albert O at tight end two, and, and those two are, are really a coin flip. I agree with a lot of the things Matt mentioned uh, about him. Tight end three for me is Bryson Hopkins. So uh, again, some uh, I think that was who you pegged there, Dan. And then tight end four is Adam Troutman, the, the small school, small school guy. Tight end five, it would be Cole Komet. And Looking at a lot of the mock drafts and and things that um, some of the draft uh, draft Knicks draft community has put out there, a lot of people seem to think that it will be Komet from Notre Dame as the first uh, first tight end drafted in the NFL. And uh, if that happens to be a good landing spot, then he could he could easily go from five to one in in my rankings and and probably in ADP as well. Yeah, probably in ADP, probably in your rankings, and probably in a lot of Dynasty owners' rankings. Matt, your thoughts on the rest of this group uh, as a whole, the tight end group that we're, we're so interested in seeing, who, who we're going to try to 
try to invest in in the NFL in in, in the in rookie drafts. If one guy falls in the right spot, who, who's the guy that you're hoping falls in that exact spot in the NFL draft that could shoot up your rankings? Yeah, I think it is those next two. I think we all have the top three in, in, in different orders, but it's the next guy is Hunter Bryant for me, and then um, uh, and then Bryson Hopkins. Uh, Bryson Hopkins is really interesting. You know, he's going to be the 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 more of them that move tight in i think he has great route running ability for somebody uh his size you know he's really kind of like an oversized wide receiver i want to call him evan ingram but if there was an evan ingram of these guys i might put that label on him uh so if he falls to that perfect spot maybe like uh honestly in this mock we're about to look at he fell to, to dallas in the third round and that seems pretty interesting uh i know they just extended blake jarwin but i think brian has has jarwin pretty easily in the athletic department athleticism department so um, that would be a really interesting spot for somebody like that so that puts a pretty pretty much a wrap on the tight end position guys we we wanted to spend a little bit of time on the position but but to be honest there's so many stones to be unturned still there there's so much to be learned by dynasty owners unfortunately you know we always say that 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 talent outweighs landing spot but especially at this position this season it really feels to me like landing spot is gonna tell the story of of where dynasty owners will be uh will be spending their assets trying to add those those draft picks and things like that uh when it comes to adding players for their roster in 2020 and beyond before we move on to our rookie mock draft guys we should talk a little bit about our friends over at dynastyowner.com do you think you are smarter than an nfl gm do you think you're the best at fantasy football we know you do matt well here's your chance to prove it matt dynasty owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual nfl salaries and contract you manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach, Dynasty Owner is for smart, elite fantasy football players. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters. Free agency matters. Every contract matters. Come to a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player contracts and salaries. Then improve your team each year with a three-round rookie draft and by trading players and draft picks, win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in a chase for the ring. The mobile app is in development right now and will be ready to download on iOS and Android in time for rookie drafts this May. Mock drafts are open now on desktop, excuse me, desktop and mobile browsers. To learn more and mock draft free, go to www.dynastyowner.com. That's www.dynastyowner.com. Well, we talked about it, guys. We're going to do a rookie draft. We we dabbled in it last week. Our draft's going to be based on a seven-round mock from CBS Sports. It can be found on cbssports.com. We're going we're gonna to go back to the Superflex thing. We were talking about quarterbacks this week. We were talking about tight ends as well. Maybe we'll... Maybe we'll throw the tight end premium into this one as well, since we were talking about the two positions so much on this week's episode. Uh, let's do the same this week. Superflex. This week, though, Ryan has the number one pick. Ryan, in your opinion, who's the number one pick in Superflex drafts this season? It's still an easy call for me at this point. It is Joe Burrow, uh, quarterback. 
projected to be Cincinnati Bengals top overall pick. Um, and, and it goes back to what Matt said. Uh, I think that was a Burrow versus Herbert uh, conversation you mentioned, Matt, but we basically know Burrow is going to start for this, for this Bengals team from day one, uh, Really nice set of weapons there, despite their uh, struggles the past couple of years. I think he's the pretty easy pick at 101 in Superflex rookie drafts. Yeah, the easy pick indeed. I'd take Joe Burrow at number one as well. Matt, you drew the second pick in the draft. If you're holding on to that pick and Burrow goes one, who are you taking it to? Yeah, it's just like last week. It's still to uh, Tunga Vailoa for me. This in this week's mock, he goes to the Chargers. I believe last week he went to the Dolphins. So I like that landing spot even better, honestly. Um, you know, get to, get to sit behind Tyrod and has a really an offense that's already built built around him uh, there in Los Angeles. Whereas in Miami, the weapons, you know, the offensive line especially isn't isn't quite there. So uh, I like that landing spot even better than the Miami one. So. Tua here at 102 in a super flex. Matt, which, and it seems like every mock you look at, it's it's one of those two teams, Miami or yeah. the Chargers for Tua. Um, which spot do you think he would be more likely to play next year? Uh, so I guess it's really kind of a Tyrod versus Fitzpatrick conversation. I, I guess it would probably, I mean, if I had to guess, I guess it would have to depend on you know, what happens to Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is he going to continue what he did last year? Is he going to do this thing where he plays really well for three or four games and the defenses figure him out? Um, uh, it seems to me like, it seems to me like Tyrod is the safer one to stay, uh, stay in place longer. But I mean, if he just beats out Tyrod flat and Chaney camp, I think they're a team that is ready to compete. So if he, if he shows that he's already healthy and he can beat out Tyrod, then it could be two of there and for Los Angeles. Um, but you don't, you know, you don't have the same, uh, desire to compete probably as much in Miami, I would say in 2020. So I guess it just depends on, on if they want to have him sit uh, and not get killed in year one, or if they want to roll him out there just to see what he can do. I guess the short answer to the question after I've given the long answer uh, is that I think he'd probably be more likely to play in Los Angeles than Miami. That's what I thought too. It just seems like the dolphins are committed to their plan right. and their plan probably does not involve uh, competing for a playoff spot this season. Yeah, and it's it's questionable, Ryan, if if a rookie quarterback, even a highly drafted one, would either help them or or hurt them from trying to trying to make the playoffs or or, or make any kind of run at anything. Nevertheless, it, it really feels to me like like when it comes to Miami, they. Whether whether it's right or wrong, they're on the path that they want to be on, and 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 they're trying. They're they're they they have an end game. There there's something that they're stretching and reaching towards. It's just questionable at times what the, what that is. Who do you guys think outside of those teams might jump up to take Tua? Um, I guess I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit there with that one, but I was thinking about this today a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder about um, I wonder about the Colts. Uh, they're they're a team that always seems ready to make moves. Uh, of course, they already traded their first rounder, so I don't know if they I don't know if they have the firepower to get up that high. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't what about know. Las Vegas? That's another twelve spot. Well, yeah there there was a there was an article out this week. I think I believe it was by Matt Miller. Uh, at 
NFL draft scout on Twitter that said the, the Raiders are the team that could shake up the draft by moving up. So that, that would make some sense. Yeah. It would make sense that, you know, yeah, Matt, you did put us all (laughs) on the spot a little bit there. And, but, but my, my mind raced through the top 10 in the draft. And I thought to myself, no, there's, there's not really a great landing spot. Detroit kind of sticks out because of all the rumors going on a month ago or a f- at least a few weeks ago. And, and you know, Chicago was a name that, that popped into my head as well. But once you once you get deeper into the draft, it, it's questionable whether anybody has the, the kind of collateral or, or the ammunition to move up that high to get a guy like Tua. You know, there's so many question marks. It's it's questionable at least at to me like it doesn't feel a like a lock that all these quarterbacks go in the first round like like everybody kind of projects and everybody thinks i think we'd be remiss if not to mention the patriots as a potential team that that moves up or shakes things up and and surprisingly takes a quarterback uh i'm not i don't i'm not one of the guys that that think it's a lock that that all these guys guys go in the first round and and not even not even that all of them go in the top 12, like they're mentioning the three quarterbacks or, or maybe even stretching it to four quarterbacks in the top 12 or 15. I don't think that's a lock either. I think it's three. I think, th- I think, I mean, as close to a lock as you could, you could say, I think it's those top three pretty easily. Just real quick. The one other team I thought about was Carolina sitting at one, 1. 1.7, just behind the chargers. Like if they wanted to move up, wouldn't be that difficult. I don't think. It wouldn't be as difficult, but man, after spending all that money on Teddy, yeah. that it'd be a little bit of a surprise. So Joe Burrow goes one hundred and one, Tua goes one hundred and two to Matt, and that leaves me on the clock. And since we're talking about a mock draft based on the the seven round mock done by CBS Sports, as you move across that, if our listeners pulled it up on their phones or or on their computers, there's one name that pops out on it, and it's DeAndre Swift. He goes with a 32nd pick in the first round to the Chiefs. So ideal landing spot, great athletic profile. Seems like if there's a guy outside of those top two quarterbacks that could contend for a top two pick, it would be DeAndre Swift landing in Kansas City. He's the obvious third pick in this draft, fellas. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 jackpot with, with any of these top running backs that land. Uh, with the Chiefs, especially if they get that first round capital that we draft capital that we like to see, um, DeAndre Swift is not really viewed by most as the 101 right now. Uh, certainly not in a super flex format, but uh, a Kansas City uh, landing spot would would do the trick for sure. I, I agree, he's the easy pick there. At uh, at 104, I think that puts me on the clock. I'm going to go back to the quarterback position, Justin Herbert. Uh, is the draft pick of Miami at the, uh, I believe it's the 1.06 spot or 1.05 spot in, uh, in this mock draft. And we'll, we'll get to some of the running backs, some of the wide receivers. I don't love most of those landing spots. So in the super flex format, that just pushes me to uh, kind of the safe pick of quarterback. Yeah, it's a safe pick. And I'm, and I'm really glad you made that pick, Ryan. Three of the first 
four picks go as quarterbacks. Of course, those are three of the first six picks in the NFL draft, according to this mock draft. Burrow going number one to Cincinnati, Herbert going number five to Miami, then Tua, of course, number six to the Chargers. If if this actually plays out, the, the really interesting player in this whole mock to me is DeAndre Swift and how high he could go because if a team certain actually has the quarterbacks in place, you could probably see Swift going number one overall if that team can't move down a couple of spots and still get their guy. I want to talk to you about Swift as compared to the other three quarterbacks, fellas. Where, how high can he go? How, how low could he go? It seems like if there's a guy out there that, that could go number one overall in a super flex, that is not a quarterback, it would be a running back going with first-round draft capital to the Kansas City Chiefs coming off a Super Bowl. I think 103 is the perfect spot, to be honest with you. It would be, unless you are just flush at quarterback, like I just, and, and for some reason can't trade back from the, from the one or two spot, it seems like that's the, 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 the perfect spot for him. Uh, you know, I can certainly see him challenging for 101 or 102, though, based on, you know, some ridiculous. Maybe you have Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, and you feel totally fine taking him a swing at, at Swift there in that, in that particular landing spot at the 101. Yeah, I agree. I think he's the easy pick at 103. And, and we could say the same thing about, uh, about Jonathan Taylor or, or probably yeah. J.K. Dobbins as well, maybe even Cam Akers if they were to land in, uh, in Kansas City. Yeah, I think the thing that puts it over the top for me, first-round draft capital. The first, the first time the Chiefs are on the clock, they think he's worth that draft pick. That is a heck of an investment. And if they were to make a swing like that, DeAndre Swift would move up really, really rapidly. Matt, you're on the clock at 105. Who you got here? Yeah, Josh Edwards over at CBS who put out this mock, he was extremely generous to us fantasy players with the running back position. Uh, all five of these top guys landed in, in very good spots, obviously. None of them you know, necessarily as good as the Chiefs. But at 105, I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Cam Akers, landing with the Buccaneers. Obviously a giant hole there. Uh, you know, a, a revamped offense, if you will, with Tom Brady coming in. And, and I think running game is going to be a pretty important part of that offense. PFF graded the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the seventh best offensive line from 2019. So he's coming into a far better offensive line situation than obviously he had in college at Florida State. So pretty excited about that landing spot for Cam Akers. Yeah, I'd be excited about that as well. Obviously, instant opportunity for Cam Akers. Uh, and certainly fits in right there at the 105. I'm on the clock at 106, and I'm going to take the first dip into the wide receiver position. And, and, you know, I think I can speak for most of us when I say CeeDee Lamb is the guy that, that's on the top of the wide receiver ranks. And and maybe if we were trying to pinpoint a spot for CeeDee Lamb to land, it wouldn't be at this one. He goes 111 to the New York Jets in this draft. First wide receiver off the board but maybe not ideal for dynasty owners. Nonetheless, looking at the rest of the receivers, I really only think Judy is the only guy that could instantly jump over him uh, based on landing spot alone. Maybe some consider Ruggs in that category as well. I like his landing spot in this draft and, and certainly the draft capital. I'm going to take C.D. Lamb, though, slightly over those other two wide receivers. It feels to me like, like he's in he's a star in the making. He's the next big thing at the wide receiver position. And if you were to tell me a month ago, 
or or even in the days leading up to the draft before we know these landing spots, hey, you're sitting at 106 in a super flex and you get CeeDee Lamb, uh, I'd, I'd say that doesn't sound too bad. I'll take it. Yeah, I think I think with this pick, uh, or maybe maybe we could even go back to uh, the 1.05 pick of Acres. You're looking at a really tight tier between probably 1.5 and maybe even until the end of this first round, based on some of these landing spots, some of the the draft capital we see. We see some uh, some players that are being locked in as first round dynasty rookie picks that are falling to the third round, or in some cases almost to the fourth round. And that that can change things sometimes. So uh, I think Lamb as a as a first rounder as a top uh, top eleven overall pick makes a lot of sense here. I'm gonna kind of follow suit at the 1.07 and take Jerry Judy. In this mock, he goes to the Raiders with the 12th pick, right behind C.D. Lamb. Uh, we talk about the the top two quarterbacks being really close in in value, and it seems that. It seems that folks putting out these mock drafts think the same thing about the receivers because Lamb and Judy uh, in, in so many of them are locked in at, at that 10-11 pick to the Jets and Raiders. So the first six picks in the first round go Joe Burrow, then Tua Tagovailoa, DeAndre Swift, Justin Herbert, Cam Akers, and C.D. Lamb. Ryan starts off the bottom half of the first round with Jerry Judy, Matt you're on the clock at number eight. Yeah, I'm going to keep plugging away at, at running back here. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in Miami. I, I love it. An outlet for uh, Justin Herbert in this particular draft exercise. Uh, he'll have somebody to throw the ball to out of the backfield. Every time I watch this guy's film, I just get more and more excited about the player. Certainly not the most complete runner between the tackles, but this is a passing league now, and this is the best receiving back in the class, he goes at 207 to the Miami Dolphins, uh, and I'll take him at the 108 here in our mock. Yeah, that I, I'm glad you did that, Matt, <laughs> because that pushed a player that I, I really wanted at the last the last time I was on the clock. It's my guy. I don't think anybody any, anybody's surprised. It's Jonathan Taylor. He slides to the third round in this mock done by CBS sports to the Detroit Lions which I think is a excellent landing spot I, th- I think a lot of dynasty owners out there probably think wait a minute well they they have a starting running back they got a they got a bell cow but I don't think that guy handles the workload as well as maybe a lot of people do so Jonathan Taylor mixes in real well I think he quickly becomes the number one tailback in Detroit uh, ideal landing spot falling this far in a super flex draft again feels to me at 109 if, if somebody tells you you're gonna get Jonathan Taylor at 109 in a super flex in one month you're probably gonna say yeah that sounds pretty good yeah he he's another player I mean we talked about could Swift challenge for the 101 right now uh, pre-draft it's Jonathan Taylor who's being talked about as uh, maybe he could uh, maybe he could leapfrog those quarterbacks and be the 101 even in a super flex draft so uh he's he's of course the one i was referring to he falls to the third round Uh, i don't mind the landing spot either uh but some could maybe be scared off of of carry on johnson that could hurt his value a little Uh, so love the pick of taylor at at 1.09 ryan that puts you back on the clock at 1.10 who you got here yeah, this becomes a pretty easy pick for me as well. Uh, actually, a player that, according to this mock draft, went 
went ahead of Jonathan Taylor. He actually went late in the second round uh, to uh, t- maybe the best landing spot uh, in in this entire draft for running backs. I guess I guess other than Kansas City. J.K. Dobbins to the Baltimore Ravens with the late second rounder. Uh, seems like everybody pretty much agrees that this will be Mark Ingram's last year with the team. Uh, I, I like Justice Hill, but I don't think he's going to be that ever be that three down running back. Uh, J.K. Dobbins could be though. Yeah, no doubt he could be, and I I argued with myself momentarily. J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor when I was on the clock at 109. I went with Taylor, of course. Nice pick at 1.10. Matt, you're up at the 11th pick. Who you got here? Yeah, I didn't think any way. There was any way Dobbins was making it here. I, was, I kind of flipped a coin between he, he and Hilaire at that last pick, uh, but can't argue with that spot. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go back to wide receiver, and I think he landed here in last week's mock two that we did from Pro Football Network, Justin Jefferson with Philadelphia at the – 21st pick in the first round obviously they need probably two or three receivers there and Justin Jefferson Justin Jefferson can pretty much do anything on the football field that they're going to need him to do so uh, like that there in the late first here at the 111 yeah that's a nice pick and it it really screws things up for me because <laughs> he he was the obvious pick for me and and after that I, I felt like man things kind of fall off a little bit there's the position players at at wide receiver and running back. I'm sure we'll also talk about a tight end here momentarily as well. Man, I guess I'm going to fall back to the quarterback position, and I'm going to go with Jordan Love. He lands in Jacksonville all the way down in the second round. It's a little bit of a surprising landing spot, and yeah, he'd have to battle with the incumbent there, of course, as well. But but Jordan Love has a little bit of draft capital still early in the second round. He's not a guy that everybody's excited about, but in a Super Bowl or excuse me, a super super flex league, feels like Jordan Love belongs right around the the fringe first to second round. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised to see how far Love fell in this in this mock draft as well. You mentioned to the second round. Almost every mock we look at seems to project him as a first rounder. Uh, so I think he's a player, you know, kind of like we saw with Daniel Jones, kind of like we saw with Josh Allen. He's a player dynasty owners are already worried about. If he does not get that first round draft capital, we could really see him uh, tumble down the board. So that moves us to the second round. Before we get to that, let's talk about the first round. Joe Burrow to a tag of Aloha. DeAndre Swift at three, followed by Justin Herbert, Cam Akers, and C.D. Lamb at six. The final six in the first round goes Jerry Judy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Jefferson, and then Jordan Love at 12 in this Superflex mock. That puts you back on the clock, Ryan, at the 201. Who's going to lead off the second round? I think it has to be a wide receiver. There's a lot of talented guys still uh, out there with some pretty nice landing spots uh, and and being drafted in the first or early second round. It's just kind of a coin flip of who I'm going to go with. And I think, I think it'll be Henry Ruggs in this draft. He is the 13th overall player drafted to the San Francisco 49ers. Of course they uh, traded for that pick uh, with the, uh, with the Colts. And I think they traded for that pick with the intention of getting a wide receiver. So, uh, whether it's rugs or one of these other guys, I think, 
they they will be adding a receiver and alongside Debo Samuel they need somebody who can play immediately and I think Ruggs would be a good complement to to Debo I just don't know how that would work exactly with uh, with Garoppolo don't necessarily think of of him being able to to maximize uh, the talent of a guy like Ruggs but in the early second round I will take a shot on on a top 13 overall player yeah, Ryan, that was the guy I was wrestling with myself over at the 112. I was thinking, well, do I want the quarterback love or the wide receiver rugs? And it came down to landing spot for me, honestly. You know, San Francisco, they they have a need at wide receiver. That, that looks great. But the passing volume in general, that leaves a question mark. And, and maybe the the common traits with him and Debo Samuel and and the overall speed and and yeah Debo is that tough big guy that can break tackles and Rugs is more of that over the top high flying threat that seems like it matches but but they don't really it seems to me if San Francisco needs a wide receiver it would be that that big body that guy that would dominate in the red zone over the top high flying uh big rebounder uh in in the end zone and Rugs doesn't fit that profile so so while that all ran through my head in about 30 seconds, I, I landed on love. I can't disagree with your pick of rugs. He, he seems like he fits right around this turn. Matt, you're up at the 202. Yeah, I'm going to drop down the our mock board a little bit and, and take the, the next quarterback on my board. And that, of course, is Jalen Hurts down at the three and the, the 23rd pick of the third round to New England. Uh, you know, it seems like right now, New England is kind of slow playing, saying they love Jared Stidham. Uh, you know, maybe they bring in Cam, maybe they bring in Winston, maybe they bring in Dalton, who knows. But if it ends up just being uh, being Jared Stidham and they do, it does play out like this and they bring in Jalen Hurts, it doesn't seem like to me that, that uh, Hurts would be on the – uh, on the bench for, for very long uh you know th- i think right now jared Siddham probably is, is certainly a, a better thrower of the football right now but the playmakeability that hurts brings i think is is something that bill belichick would be able to really restart his his team with uh, uh there so that's a pretty exciting landing spot for me for for jalen hurts and i think also he has the ability i think he's, he's at least d- demonstrated in college you know going to oklahoma for his final season there proved that he can pick up a an offense you know relatively quickly so uh he would have to do that in New England certainly so it's nice to see that he ha- he has that ability uh, at least at the collegiate level okay so Hertz is the fourth quarterback off the board and and four in the top 14 picks that puts me back on the clock at number 15 overall the 2.03 and I'm going to dip back into the wide receiver position I'm going to take T Higgins who lands as a first round pick this in this mock he goes to Seattle uh, nice landing spot, has a need, certainly uh, some other wide receivers already in place there, but the quarterback is there. Um, maybe maybe we as a, as a whole, as a, you know, all dynasty owners together think of Seattle and, and think to themselves, man, they, they like to focus on the running game and, and the passing game is a question mark. And, and it's really a week-to-week proposition as to whether your wide receiver in that Seattle offense is going to take off or it's going to be the other guy on the other side of the field. Uh, still like T. Higgins as a whole. He's a, he's a really good player. I don't love the landing spot, but considering he goes in the first round, even in Seattle, it seems like a bargain at 2.03. Ryan, that puts you on the clock with the 16th pick overall, 2.04. 
I mentioned the coin flip I had at 2.01 between Ruggs and another wide receiver, and he fell, so that makes this an easy pick for me. I'll take Denzel Mims. In this mock, he is an early second rounder to the Colts, who have a definite need at the receiver position for sure. Uh, So Mims to the Colts, 2.04. Nice pick. I like that one for sure. Matt, you're up at 2.05. Yeah, I'll go back to the Patriots who took Brandon Ayuk in the first round of the 23rd pick. You know, obviously a team that is uh, has a dearth of playmakers. They need they need playmakers everywhere, especially now that uh, Julian Edelman isn't going to have that connection with, with Tom Brady. You know, we hope Nikhil Harry works out. Uh, it'll be fun to see him pair with his, his old college teammate in Ayuk, who is obviously uh, a, a little bit more of a of – a, you know, dynamic playmaker, I would say, than Nikhil Harry. So fun to see that pairing. First round draft capital. I'll go back to there, the New England pick. Well, when I was last on the clock with the third pick in the second round, I thought to myself, there, there's a bunch of wide receivers. I, I, I really like them all. They're, they're just fine as second round pick. Higgins goes third. Mims goes fourth. Ayuk goes fifth. And that leaves one guy for me. And, and I guess maybe another guy if you if you really stretch and, and try to look for for a target. The guy I'm thinking about is LaVisca Chenault. He lands with the Houston Texans who in if in case you you were living under a rock, which I guess a lot of us have been over the last couple couple weeks. They have a huge need at wide receiver and need a need a playmaker at the position while Chenault has a lot of injury concerns and there are there are other red flags with him as a prospect in general. The raw upside absolutely exists, and if that pushes, if those red flags push him to the middle of the second round, feels like a good spot for Lavisca Chenault. He goes at two oh six. Ryan, you're up with the seventh pick in the second round. I think this is going to be one of those that just show us how much impact uh, landing spot and draft capital can really have. It seems like every year there's a player we expect to be. A, a first-round rookie pick, and then the NFL draft happens, and that changes things. Uh, Hakeem Butler was, was certainly the example of that last year, uh, and this player could be the example this year if it, if it goes this way. I'll take Jalen Rager, uh, the wide receiver. Uh, in this mock, he falls to the early third round to the Jets. I don't love the draft capital. I don't love the landing spot, but in the middle of the second round, I do still love the talent. Ryan, it's not like that's the worst possible uh, landing spot. There, there are a few worse, of course, and, and it's not the worst draft capital. Uh, he could fall all the way to the seventh round, but early third round, it would sure feel a lot better if he went like 2.31 rather than 3.03 in the NFL draft. It would, it would. And in this case, uh, the Jets, of course, already took a wide receiver in C.D. Lamb, uh, which which is fair because they need more than they need more than just one. They lost Robbie Anderson, and, and they've they've got some serious needs there. So adding Lamb and Rager could be really nice for Sam Darnold. Yep, could indeed. That puts us back to Matt. You're at two oh eight. Who you got here? Yeah, this is another. We've been talking about coin flips the last few picks, and here's another one here. Um, I'm gonna go. Jeez. I'm going to go to the 26th pick in the second round. The Minnesota Vikings take Michael Pittman, 6'4", 223 out of USC. You know, finally had to realize his potential sort of in his senior year there, his final year, final season there at USC, rather. Um, 
And it, there's an obvious need there now that they've moved on from Stefan Diggs, right? It's Adam Thielen and, you know, <laughs> not much else to really, to really hang your hat on there. So Michael Pittman gives Kirk Cousins some size. You know, Kirk Cousins isn't always the most accurate thrower of the football, so to giving him a, a, someone with a big wingspan, someone that can go up and, and make those difficult in-the-air catches, those 50-50 balls, uh, seems like a pretty good fit for, for Pittman there in the late second round. Okay, I'm back on the clock at the 209. Uh, there's a couple considerations here. I, I was a little bit surprised with the Pittman pick there. Um, I'm, if you, you were talking about landing spot, maybe surprises, I thought you were going to go with Cole Komet, who in this mock goes in the first round to the Packers, uh, the 30th pick in the NFL draft to the Packers, 6'6", 262. And while we talked just what 15 20 minutes ago about these these tight ends going in the third round um if one goes in the first round to one of the ideal landing spots uh for the position he's probably moving up the draft board so to get him at 209 actually to me now that i think of it it seems like it's maybe a little bit late for cole commit uh he he should have gone a couple picks earlier probably i'm gonna take him right here he goes, again, 130 to the Packers. If that landing spot happens and that draft capital happens, he's going to move up draft boards. Ryan, you're up at 210. Who do you have here? Yeah, I'm going back to the quarterback position, uh, again, with the super flex format in mind. Jacob Eason is the Colts pick in the second round, <clears throat> uh, 2.12 in this mock. And we, we know the story there. Of course, they, uh, they sign... Philip Rivers, it looks like they're basically admitting uh, Jacoby Brissett, whether he stays on that roster or not, is is not their long-term answer. I don't I don't necessarily love Eason as a talent or or even really believe in him as a as as a locked-in NFL starter, but as a second rounder, he would eventually get his chance and uh, if they're adding some offensive weapons like this mock draft has them doing, uh, Eason late second rounder uh, in the super flex format would make some sense. Yeah, Ryan, it does make sense. Indeed. Uh, considered him at the pick before as well, Matt, you're up at two eleven. who you got here. Yeah, Dan, you were right. I did consider commit, but then I thought, about the Packers and how they have traditionally used the wide receiver, or the, excuse me, the tight end position. And it just, it scared me a little bit, even with that draft capital. Um, but I am going to go back to the Packers in the second round. They take Lynn Bowden from Kentucky, uh, this kind of running back wide receiver hybrid that, you know, the, again, the Packers are a team that needs playmakers uh, outside of Devonte Adams or really is it? No one has really stepped up and the versatility. I think that Bowden brings uh, could be an exciting addition to that offense. Maybe a little bit Randall Cobb ish, you know, maybe, maybe he's the next Randall Cobb for the Packers so uh Lynn Bowden second pick uh second round in the third with the 30th pick in that round for the Packers at my 2.11 pick Ryan I gotta bring you in on this one because you're a big fan of course you're a Kentucky fan uh him landing with the Packers in the second round does he move that that moves him into the second round in rookie drafts as well yeah I think it absolutely would it would it would be a big boost to his value he's uh I Definitely a little bit of a homer here, but it really does feel like he's being uh, overlooked in you know in mock drafts or early rookie analysis. And I, I think there's a I don't I don't know about second round. I think maybe a little bit of a stretch even in this one. He's the the thirtieth pick in the second round, but I do think he ends up being a day two pick. 
and, and he's a player that in our mock drafts is is barely sneaking into the third round. So he's he's one that draft capital could really help. We've talked about it hurting uh, some of these other players. So Bowden goes with the 11th pick in the second round. That leaves me with the final pick in our exercise this evening. Uh, interesting choices on the board, of course. I'm going to go with a guy that I think is, you know, just like with Bowden, fellas. He's overlooked by a lot of dynasty owners, a lot of guys that, that are doing these mock drafts and things like that. It's K.J. Hamler out of Penn State. He lands with the seventh pick in the third round of the NFL draft, according to this mock done by CBS Sports. Uh, lands with the Los Angeles Chargers. And while many of you may think of the Chargers roster and think, think to yourselves, wait a minute. Keenan Allen is there. Mike Williams is there. Well, they could use that over-the-top threat, that, that that guy that can work the deep to intermediate route and, uh, you know, really just a strong route runner, a guy that always seems to get open, ultra, ultra competitive, the guy that uh, just outworks everybody else on the field, and you can see it every time you watch him run routes. Uh, go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Go to the the player video tool and watch KJ Hamler run some routes because you'll fall in love with him just like I did. He's a little undersized, 5'9", 178. But guys, we're going to do, be doing these mocks and I'm always going to be the guy that takes KJ Hamler right around this time. If you can get him late in the second, early in the third, especially in these super flexes, feels like a nice spot to get him. Let's recap of this draft, fellas. We were doing a super flex mock draft, rookie mock draft, based on the seven-round mock draft, mock NFL draft from CBS Sports. Ryan had the number one pick. He took Joe Burrow. That was followed up by Matt with Tua Tagovailoa. I took DeAndre Swift with the third pick. Fourth pick was Justin Herbert, followed by Cam Akers and C.D. Lamb. Number seven went Jerry Judy. Eight was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Number nine overall, Jonathan Taylor. Ten was J.K. Dobbins. Jonathan, excuse me, Justin Jefferson went number 11, and Jordan Love finished out the first round at 12. We also did a second round. Ryan took Henry Ruggs at the top of the second round, followed by Jalen Hurts and T. Higgins, 2-3. Then with the fourth pick, Ryan took Denzel Mims. Matt then took Brandon Ayuk at number 5. I took LaVisca Chenault at 6. 7 went Jalen Rieger, or excuse me, Rager, Michael Pittman, then Cole Kement. Then Jacob Eason went 10th, Lynn Bowden went 11th, and K.J. Hamler went 12th. Before we get out of here, guys, any last words for those of us that are, Ryan, we're, we're all in seclusion, we're all buried in our, in our bunkers and, and you know watching Dynasty content and, and looking for news, any, anything to keep everybody perked up while we, while we wait for the next big thing to drop? Um, I, I don't know if this helps, helps the wait any, but kind of on that topic, I... I was thinking I've seen others kind of allude to the same, the same thing that dynasty players should be more on top of, of the draft and these players than ever before. It's very understandable in normal, uh, a normal year, a normal day to day life that you can't watch film or you can't read every article or you can't, uh, you know, listen to every podcast, but now you you can, or at least a lot of us can that are that are stuck at home. Um, so I kind of think that this could be a really successful year for dynasty players in in finding those those hits and avoiding those misses. I don't think we can say the same thing about 
teams in the NFL, though, uh, as they're missing out on pro days and and uh, individual visits and, and medical uh, checkouts and things like that. Ryan, I, I like to think it's the DLF subscriber and the Dynasty, the the DLF Dynasty podcast listener that get the, the the real edge because you're listening, you're checking out the tools section on DynastyLeagueFootball.com, going checking out that trade finder and and going and looking at all the player news and the and the the Dynasty ADP and the the ADP comparisons and the market share app and and all the tools that are available to Dynasty owners over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Thanks to everybody that listened to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week.